Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views with your host, me, Dan. And me, Lou. And I'm laughing because I'm going to, I don't know whether to put this in at the end, but Lou thought I was stealing his intro when it was my intro and then he had a go at me and so I've then had a go back. So Yeah, I was like, what, 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 I was like, what are you doing? I was like, this, well, you just cut in just as I was about to talk and he's like, this is my episode. I was like, oh shit, sorry. Like, <laughs> this is my episode. <laughs> yeah, we're not starting this on the best of terms, are we? So. Having said that, though, how's your week been? Yeah, it's all right. Football's back in full swing. That's a good thing. Sorry, again, for any Americans listening, soccer is back in full swing this week. Um, Antonio Conte was minutes away from laying out Thomas Tuchel. For anybody who doesn't (laughs) know who they are, you could just look on YouTube. You'll find it out. It's great. Yeah, it's been a good weekend. The heat started to calm down due to get some thunderstorms. All of Britain is basically drier than the Sahara Desert. We shouldn't laugh about that because there's actually serious things that are a consequence. But England looks really shit at the minute because everyone's that everything's that awful, really dry colour, isn't it? Like grass is oh, dead, yeah. trees are oh, dead. Is, yeah. Have you seen the before and after satellite pictures? It's awful, isn't it? It literally looks like the UK is like a barren wasteland. We had actually near near where I did live, we had a fire yesterday. Um I think it was I think it was a barbecue which they've been warning people not to have. Yeah, yeah. Um and people were doing fireworks in the fields the other night. Brilliant. It's always as well, those really shitty disposable ones. And I just think to myself, why do we even sell them in shops still? Those like, barbecues. Yeah, those, the only stories you ever see is people either, like, do you know you can't have them indoors, can you? Because they let off, like, CO2. Or it's yeah. people setting fires with them. I have no yeah, idea why we keep them in shops. But, I, oh, God, the heat is just, I know we've moaned about it. We didn't moan about it last week, because I think it was fine. But this week, it's just been unreal. I, I, was, in, um, I was in London the last couple of days and on the saturday i was at this event it was um i told you about it it was quite eventful but it was this like performance theater piece and it's like they've got two buildings in in london that are connected and each building is like the fall of greece or the fall of troy sorry and one building represents greece the others represent troy and at some point these actors these dancers just start performing around you literally among you so they might be pushing you out the way if you're you're, you're in their way or if you're standing in a bit where they should be, they can't. They start ushering you out the way before they then carry on. But the thing is, you have to wear like a, a half face mask. Now, not quite, but you know those plague doctor masks we were talking about. Yeah, it's like half of that, right? So you had to wear that because they wanted there to be total anonymity because it's really dark in there as well. They wanted anonymity for you and the actors. But they also, because you were wearing a mask, and I'm assuming they were using them, they made you wear. A COVID face mask as well. Right, okay. So you're in that room, loads of people, you've got a face mask plus a half mask, then you're going around it because you're following them because as they're, mo- they're moving upstairs, downstairs, and you, what we read this tip was the best thing is to try stick to one of the actors to follow them because then you see that, that bit of the story. Right, okay. If the story just repeats, they keep doing it and repeats. But, but ultimately what I'm saying is it was, it was fucking up. <laughs> you're wearing these two. <laughs> Thing is, as well, I'm hoping they're wiping down those things. Why do they not have air conditioning in this place as well? I think they did, but it's just it's not it's just not enough. It's not strong yeah. enough when you've got so many people. And then yesterday, I mean, I, I lived my inner geek. It was like this town they've set up again in London. It's like a Wild West steampunk themed town. But as you go in, you can even just walk around it. You've got actors who are playing like the store, the general store owner, the postmaster, the miner, this and that. But you log into this website. And it gives you a mission and it will say, 
there have been earthquakes in the town. Go speak to the store master to find out more. You'll speak to him and he goes, oh, yeah, we think there's a shady character who's causing it. And then you have to go speak to the guy in the mines who then sends you to this. You have to then find this file in the library. You then have to go <laughs> to this thing. And at the end of the mission, you get a playing card with the mission you've completed. So it's like being a main character in an RPG helping out. Yes, yeah, like real life oblivion. <laughs> yeah, they're side quests. <laughs> It's good fun. It's called, um, if anyone finds himself over here, what's it called? Phantom Peak. <laughs> a lot more of these like live action experiences are properly coming to London as well. Because I not long ago went to that um, uh, Alcatraz bar. And that's like a whole performance <laughs> yes. thing. <laughs> like, I remember getting dragged into like what was basically just a broom cupboard with some other random stranger. And then I was just taking shots with a dude with a really poor Southern American accent in this broom cupboard. It was a really strange experience. Glad that I did it. Wouldn't do it again, though. But but worth a, worth a check out if you're... See, I think these ability. things are worth a go. Like that, that, that first one I told you about, what was interesting about that, they didn't want you taking pictures or cameras. So when you went in, they gave you um, they gave you this little zip bag that you have to put your phone in and then they zip tie it up. Right, and you okay. then carry it around with you. You don't get it open until you leave at the end. Ah, right. That's quite a good idea. They should do that in more places. Yeah. Now, at first, you know, then transpires a couple of the dancers, they do get fully naked in front of you so it might be because of that but ah, it was right. brilliant <laughs> yeah. no but it was also it was brilliant just walking around not using your phone yeah yeah and not seeing the, all these lights in the you know as people are taking pictures in that could do it for museums and for cinemas yeah, yeah and for yeah. shows oh, de- brilliant ideas cinemas but yeah so, so that was my week oh and of course you know the episode well when we're recording this it was out yesterday but our, our episode with sugar coated went on and they're brilliant, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. Like, it is just literally... Just, uh, the thing is, as well, in reality, I haven't checked it out yet. I need to listen to it. But usually, we're there for actually, like, two and a half hours. So I don't know how long the actual episode is or how much they've cut out. But it's, it's, it's strange as well, because I feel like I've known them for years. Yeah, oh, they're, they're brilliant, aren't they? It's, um, it's a two-parter. I've listened to the first part. <laughs> they've, they've made two parts. We should have learned from that with some of our episodes. Yeah, we um, should have done in reality. We missed a trick being like, fuck, what are we going to talk about next week? Well, if we'd have cut last week's episode into two, we wouldn't have had yeah. this problem. Yeah. <laughs> got some business to get out the way. Um, but do you know what? First, I've got a surprise for you. This surprise comes courtesy of Mr. Josh Wilson of Super Familiar with the Wilsons. I've got something to play for you from him. Tell you what, let's let's cut the chase. Let's get straight into it. We'll talk about it after. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force it. Come on, we've got what you It's class, isn't it? It is good. That like, is he, class, like he, they, he, they, he actually sat down and made that for us. We've never had like a professional theme tune. No, <laughs> Dan, and... Dan got his ukulele out once, and we were like, "Now, nah, fuck that." <laughs> and he does mean a ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was brilliant. I, do you know what it stemmed from? Was I had before season two started, I had an idea for a jingle, and I said, "Oh," and I knew th- this guy, right? He is so talented. The guy does he does a brilliant podcast. He is. A superb artist as well he 
writes music, the guy, there's no end to him. And he's genuinely nice guy. So, yeah. I said to him, oh, can you do me a bit of music and I'll put the lyrics over. And then, what was it, the other night, he just goes, have a listen to this. And it was brilliant. And he's really pleased because he put the word, he, he managed to fit Spork in it as well. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're going to use that as our outro from now on. I, th- I think that's um, bloody class. So, thank you, Josh. Thank you very much, Josh. It's better than anything that me and my my horrifically musically untalented ass <laughs> could have ever have imagined to it. Well, you shouldn't have said that because what I was going to say is if he wants you and me to sing him lyrics for one of his songs, we'll do it. That's what oh, I was going to Mind say. you, if anybody goes and listens to Sugarcoated Murders podcast app, you will be able to hear the wonderful voices that me and Dan have. Yeah, that's true, that's true actually. <laughs> Oh, actually, if anyone is listening because they've put a trailer out, I don't want us to be cancelled for that. We did try our best. There was a delay. Lou and I do this remotely. We're not in the same room. And I was slowing down because he was a second behind me. He was slowing down because I was a second behind him. So it just sounded like at one point, I think, that we were put in slow motion. Yeah, I feel like we were just like, basically, we did the American National Anthem in acapella. But can I just say to everybody, whilst our podcast aren't visual, I did stand. Um... You did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, this is a long intro because we're going to do some adverts shortly. Lou, I, I don't know if you, you're aware of this. There's a podcast that's starting a bit of beef with us. And they're doing it subtly. They're doing it they subtly. They are doing it subtly. It's, it's almost like a little bit of shade, isn't it? I mean, the came with the boys. I mean, we we have heard you. We have heard your podcast. Don't think it's gone unnoticed. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think that we maybe we don't rise to their or we don't sink to their level sorry um i don't know no. I, no, I think we should be the better better podcast what see this is the thing this is the difference between me and you because i was thinking that what we did is we just utterly destroyed the level that they were at by sinking so low that there was no coming back actually screw you decaying with the boys <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck decaying with the boys <laughs> yeah you guys <laughs> we're not about guys. this bullshit anymore we're we ain't we, we we brits you understand that we brits we bulldog spirit over here and we're italian as well so and, there's a little bit of... <laughs> and yeah and we we really are miffed at you yeah <laughs> Do you know what's going to be funny is that I can imagine that this is just going to end up being one huge slanging match. And at the end, we're going to be like, yeah, fuck these guys. <laughs> all, all I'm saying, I'm just saying it now, Matt, Adam, like I said, you have been heard. We are going to take a bit of time. We're going to go away after this podcast. So we are going to work out whether, A, we send our, our people after you. And that's not a threat, by the way. I, that was supposed to be a joke for like lawyers, but I can see that might sound a bit... It's not a threat. But, it's a know. fucking promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to respond in kind. So, you know, we love you. I mean, we do. But, you know, we're really peeved. I just want so, to say, like, they're, they're going to bring out their inner Enzo Amore in me, to be honest with you. Well, we've, oh, do you, we've got... Oh, my God. Do you not get that Enzo Amore reference now? <laughs> no, 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 I do. I know I do. But we've got we've got some talking to do. We've got some talking to do. They came with the right. boys. You may have started it, but we're going to finish it. That's we are going to finish it. So, Lou, I, I, I just, we need to calm down. Let's, let's do some ads. Right. Okay. Well, I do want to ask you a question. Do you like reading? Oh, I just don't have time for it anymore. I don't like reading. I never like libraries. I never like books. But that's why I'm glad I found Newsly. Because Newsly is an all-in-one 
audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you. But it doesn't read them to you in one of those like Dalek robot-y voices. It actually reads it to you like a real human. So for the first time ever on the internet, the entire web is listenable, which is great for people like me. <laughs> and it's all in one place. You can browse articles from topics that you choose and start playing. So stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic specific as you like. Sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin. And Dan really likes to reference the Kardashians when he talks about Newsly. So I don't know who he's following. <laughs> who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> Maybe we need to do an app on that. Um, and it will find you the latest articles um, on all of these topics and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts. So you can explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries and even our podcast casting views is on there too. And they even have digital radio. You can download and use Newsly for free at www.newsly.me or from the link in the description. And you can use promo code CASTV that's also in the description to get a one month free premium subscription. Yeah. I'd love to have it read to me. From like Adam from the camera to boys. Actually, no, I don't screw that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Imagine having this soft spoken guy to come over. <laughs> no, no. You want you want Dan and Lou's soft, wonderful voices screaming you, you, you got usually, usually we're here. available. Usually we're available. <laughs> oh my god, does it <laughs> I can't. No, no, go on. No, I can't say it. I no, can't no, say, say it. it. No. I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'm going to save it. That, we'll that joke's it. coming out of the locker at some point. <laughs> we'll put it in the Patreon. Right, um, <laughs> for our pod promo, ironically, it's going to be super familiar with the Wilsons. So we've already mentioned them uh, a short while ago, or Josh at least, for the tune. So this is Josh and Amanda. They talk about a random set of things each week as well. Really enjoyable podcast. We've had them on a couple of weeks ago. That was a great episode. Hopefully, uh, we'll get them on again in the future. Hopefully, they'll invite us on theirs. There's a little hint there, subtle, I know. But yeah, great podcast. Let's hear from them now. The Super Familiar with the Wilsons podcast. You know that family whose house you hung out in when you were a kid? The house was a little loud and chaotic, but always fun, and sometimes felt more home than home. Well, that's us. We're the Wilsons, and we welcome you into our podcast with silly chat, ridiculous games, and interviews with interesting people. Like a spin doctor. The super familiar with the Wilsons podcast. Welcome home. We're back. So, right, finally, we get into the episode now. Yeah, geez, people have been saying, like, these guys have been talking shit for 15 minutes. I was, I was actually going to say, we could wrap, wrap this up. I'll, I'll, I'll keep this subject for another week. See, this is what we need to be doing, sending out our episodes so that we get more to people. <laughs> right. We are going to talk about uh, people that took a chance, right? People that saw an opportunity, either had an opportunity presented to them that, that they weren't expecting or that saw an opportunity and they went for it, right? Yeah. I think that's how we framed it. Now, I've got a couple. I think these two are brilliant. Um, I don't know what you're bringing. But I, I think, well, mine are inspiring. I'm not sure how, because we know you're normally the uh, the doom and gloom guy. <laughs> <laughs> but mine are quite inspiring. So what do you think? I, I did see something. It, it, it sounds obvious, but I did actually see something today saying that people who do take risks and chances are generally more successful. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, like factually, you would think so. And, you know, I feel like at some point in life, you have to take a risk. With, yeah. You know, Every day you take risks. It just depends the level in which yeah. you're willing to take them, doesn't it? You know, I mean, I'm not no, willing no, to. 
Well, I'm not willing to put my... Oh, we just did that again. (laughs) Right, you go, then I'll go. (laughs) I was going to say, nobody ever won the lottery by not buying a ticket, right? Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, but the level of risk that I'm willing to go to is like, would I trust throwing myself out of an airplane with a thin sheet of plastic material? Fuck no. Um, But but risks that have my ass firmly planted on the ground, I think I'm happy with. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, so I'm going to start with... I, I think this is brilliant. I mean, this... I was going to say, I remember when it happened. It's not like it was like decades ago, but it was actually 2006. And I remember when it happened. If if I said to you, Guy Goma, do you know, would you know what, I, what I'm referencing? Yeah, you're I laughing. Think I do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, prob- do you know what? If if they ever do, do you know those TV programs that sometimes they do where it's like the best British like culture moments on TV? Yeah. This has yeah. to be in like the top five, surely. Yeah. So. For those of you who don't, and even if you do, it's still a fun story to recount, but Guy Goma basically was one of the best cases of mistaken identity <laughs> you, you'll ever see. So just as a little background, he is a Congolese business studies graduate from the Republic of Congo, and he was accidentally interviewed on BBC News 24 <laughs> on the 8th of May 2006. Basically, he was there. Oh, well, we'll come on to it. I, I've got the full story here. But yeah, he was mistaken for a tech expert to, to talk about the Apple Court B Apple computer case. And he was asked to provide insight on the subject he knew little about. So the, the way it happened now, I never really knew this bit. So Goma, Guy was waiting in the main reception area of the BBC TV centre in London. And he was actually there for an interview. You see, this is why it's quite funny. He was there as a he was there. He was applying for a job as a data support cleanser in the in the BBC's IT department. At the same time, somebody called Guy Cuny. So already we've got Guy Gomer and Guy Cuny, a British technology expert, was in another reception area preparing for a live TV interview on the Apple case that we mentioned. So this was uh, Apple's computer court case with the Beatles record label. The producer sent to fetch Cuny was told that Cuny was in the main reception area. When he asked the receptionist where Guy Cooney was, she pointed to Guy Goma, even <laughs> after he was asked if she was sure this was the right person. Now, the reason why this is then a bit odd was because the producer had seen a photo of the person that they needed, Guy Cooney, but had only five minutes before the live interview was due to take place. He approached Goma and asked him if he was Guy. Hearing his first name, Goma answered yes. So the reason I find it a bit strange is because if they had seen the picture, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, two things stand out. One, they are different races. Yeah. And two, they're completely different age. I think Guy Cuny is like in his 60s. <laughs> I believe. I, I, can't, I could be wrong. Guy Goma was, you know, uh, well, youngish guy. It was probably in his 40s, right? Or 30s or 40s. Yeah. So that's why I find it weird that the producer, I, I think the producer was probably just so desperate, just said, are you guy... Guy said yes, because his name is Guy. Yeah, but I guess maybe the producers also put it down to a mistake before him. So they're like, the person behind me has made the mistake with who these people are. And then he's just gone on the basis that this is Guy. This must be the bloke that I need to speak to. Maybe. Goma was led to the News 24 studio. So, yeah, so BBC News 24, as it suggests, is a a 24-hour version of BBC News here. BBC staff put on makeup. And he was ushered to the television studio where he was seated in front of the cameras, wired up with a microphone. So he was actually on live TV. He was on, 
the BBC News 24. Although he thought the situation was strange, he believed he was about to be interviewed for a job. So he actually thought this was their interview process. Uh, but the thing is as well, would you think anything untoward of it? You're going to the BBC studios for interview. You might think it's a little bit strange, but at the same time, you're kind of like, maybe this is just a thing to test your confidence. Or do you know what I mean? It might just be, you know, companies nowadays do way stranger things during their interview processes. So I would think it's really perfectly strange. reasonable. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we've probably got an episode on that, but I remember at one company. Now, this is for a retailer. This was for a, a British retailer in this country. One of these things, you were put in a room with the other candidates, and then you had to discuss a random subject for a, about two minutes with people you've not seen. And one of them, I remember, was knife crime. And oh, I can't remember what the other one was. So that's just an example. And there's been there's other stories of people where they were asked to go through a room in through a door by the receptionist, and then they end up in like an auditorium full of like 200 people in their interview. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying it's brilliant. He actually thought he was he was having an interview. That was his interview. Sorry, when he was introduced by the interviewer Karen Bowerman as internet expert Guy Cuny, Goma realised there is obviously a misunderstanding. Was visibly shocked. <laughs> And I remember this. He, bless it. He does look almost like not terrified, but <laughs> do you know what it is? Is when you watch the interview, his face changes and he like bites his lip almost, doesn't he? And he's looking at her, going, "Oh, I feel like you fucked up, but I've just got to play it cool and just get on with it." It's the funniest thing. <laughs> so at this point, he's aware now he's on live TV and not wanting to make a scene. Gomer attempted to ask questions about the case and its ramifications for the music industry. While not an expert, Goma knew enough about downloading and cyber cafes to make credible answers. Cuny, who was still in a waiting area, was shocked when he saw Goma interviewed in his place on the TV, but he wasn't able to hear the audio. Now, <laughs> I've got the, the transcript here. So I'll just say Karen for the uh, the interviewer and, and Goma for, for, for Goma. Karen. Well, Guy Cuny is editor of the technology website News Wireless. Hello and good morning to you. Goma, visibly shocked. Good morning. Karen, were you surprised by this verdict today? Goma, I'm very surprised to see. I bet you was. <laughs> he says, I'm very surprised to see this verdict come on me. <laughs> because I was not expecting that. When I came, they told me something else and I am coming. You got an interview, that's all. So a big surprise anyway. Karen, a big surprise. Yeah, yes. Goma, exactly. Karen, with regards to the cost that's involved, do you think now more people will be downloading online? Goma, actually, if you can go everywhere, you're going to see a lot of people downloading through internet and the website, everything they want. But I think it's much better for development and to improve people what they want and to get on the easy way and so faster the things they're looking for. Karen, this really does this does really seem to be the way the music industry is progressing now, that people want to go onto the website and download music. Goma, exactly. You can go everywhere on a cyber cafe and you can take you can go easy. It's going to be an easy way for everyone to get something through the internet. Karen, and I think at this point she must know. Guy Cuny, thanks very much indeed. And that's where the interview ended. <laughs> it's honestly, if you do, if you can have a look at this and you're at home and you've not seen this, it's one of the funniest things around. And you know what? All credit to Guy Goma for the job that he did interviewing because so many people would have buckled and panicked or fainted. And the guy just fully answered the questions. And the thing is as well, if you watch it, apart from that one look at the very beginning, you would have thought that he was the yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
The guy, don't say guy, because there's guy, guy, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, what, I've got just two more bits that I want to say that we could talk a little bit more about it. So the aftermath of this was um, so 20 minutes after the television interview, Gomer attended his real job interview, which lasted 10 minutes. But this is a sad bit. He wasn't hired for that, which I think is pretty, I think it's pretty bad. I think they should have given him the job. Yeah, yeah. I, how can he not have made an impression with that? Yeah, yeah. As soon as the mistake was detected, the BBC recorded an interview with Guy Cooney for later broadcast, but that was never shown. The BBC instead brought in an alternative pundit, Rupert Goodwins, for the next live slot on the topic. On the 25th of May 2006, Goma got hired himself a celebrity publicist, and Goma and Cooney did actually meet later on at a later date. Now, the final bit I've got on this was I tried to find, there's not actually much you can find on him now. I think he really did have, and we'll probably talk about this, he did have like a 20 minutes of fame. Yeah, I'm trying to find stuff now and there's really not much on it, but they said on the 16th of May, so when was the original? Oh, it was the 8th of May, wasn't it? This is funny. On the 16th of May, so just over a week later, Gomer appeared on the Channel 4 News and was jokingly questioned by the presenter introducing him as a Venezuelan citizen, a lawyer and a doctor, respectively, on the <laughs> topics of Hugo Chavez, the release of foreign prisoners into Britain and Britain seeking medical treatment abroad. On the same day, he also appeared again on BBC News 24, but this time in a planned interview to talk about his experience. He later <laughs> appeared in a comedy skit on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year 2006. And that's a big quiz show that happens every New Year's Eve. And this is what I remember saying to you when I thought about this was... I thought there was a film made about him, but there wasn't. But film producer Alison Rosen's, uh, if, I'm, if I pronounce it right, Alison Rosen's vibe, she stated in 2006 that she had begun developing a film based on his life, particularly this incident, commenting <laughs> he's a fun kind of internationally famous person that I think is an interesting source for movie material. As of 2021, no such film has been produced and Goma's current whereabouts are unknown. And in 2016, 10 years after Goma's appearance, the incident was named as one of the BBC's most memorable interview bloopers. And some outlets noted that Goma's prediction that more people would be using the internet to download music and other media they want was correct. So, Guy Goma, that's a brilliant story, isn't it? You know what? If we, if of all of the th- people that we've talked about previously, if we could get Guy Goma on this podcast to talk about that incident, I think that that would be one of the best episodes that we could ever do. Because you know I would what? love to know Challenge. where he is. At. Like, where did that lead? Does, does he get recognised in the street? Because I feel like he'd be a person that I'd look at, do a double take, and think, "I know this guy. I know this guy. The guy from <laughs> somewhere." You Challenge would, accepted. Because there's a week before this goes out. I'll see if we can find him. Oh my god! Uh, could you imagine? It'd be amazing. But yeah, I mean, uh, just hands down, this is. I, I had to choose this. Now, obviously, I hope. He's fine. I mean, they said there's not much known about him. Hopefully, he's just gone on and had a, a good life. At the time, this was just huge news, wasn't it? It, it was. It was yeah. I mean, a guy goes to the BBC for an interview, gets mistaken for another person called Guy, is pulled onto the news on onto the live news set, is interviewed. He thinks that's his interview, and then both of them realise pretty soon that he's he's not the person they want, and then it's a really <laughs> awkward interview. But like I said. He went for it. He didn't say there's a mistake or he didn't freeze or he didn't say, look, I, I need to go. He, he tried to answer the questions. <laughs> this is the thing. I think it was great. It was an amazing performance from him. 
And again, he goes down as, do you know, like one of those like British cult heroes, do you know, from like British media almost like there's been people that have had like their 15 minutes. He goes down as like an elite tier like level of in, in that group of people, I think. It's absolutely hilarious. The whole instance, the whole situation is so funny. And at the end of the day as well, even though he didn't get the job with the BBC, he's probably more famous as a result of yeah, him just yeah. having that one fuck up on TV. And it's a story that he can tell for the rest of his life. It's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely so, brilliant. You know, I'm not saying he should have got the job. If he's if he wasn't good for the job, he should have got the job. But you'd have thought the BBC could have used him somehow. Maybe yeah. like on one of these programmes, I think, because... You know, they've, I'm not going to say they've embarrassed him. It was a joke. You know, it, was, it's, oh, it wasn't even a joke. It was a mix-up. It was a genuine mix-up. But the guy did really well. And, you know, he, he became, he gave them probably more publicity at that time than they were yeah, getting normally. This is the thing. They created a star out of somebody who just was never, ever intended to be in that situation. And they really could have capitalised on it. You could have imagined him if they'd have brought him back intermittently to do a weather reading or something. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Or, like on or, an anniversary to do it. Yeah. Or bring him back to talk about a tech case. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. There needs to be, do you know who needs to pick up on it? It needs to be like ITV that pick up on it. So ITV go out and get Guy Goma to do a weather Channel reading. Five. And they cut, yeah, Channel 5, they cut to him and he looks really confused and that's his act. And then he's like doing the weather on TV. He's like, I think it's going to be raining. I think maybe we'll get showers, but maybe it might be hot. <laughs> like I actually, like I said, you know, obviously we're not laughing at him. The guy is a hero. I think if I was in that same position, your first reaction would be to freeze. Because because you imagine if you realised you were suddenly on live TV, you weren't <laughs> just. <laughs> but the idea of a film, I think I actually want this. I this you know, and people say, oh, what? It's a five minute interview. But if you think about it right, they've got the fact that he's come from, you know, the Democratic Republic of Congo. He's going for a job interview at the BBC, right? You've got his, his journey in the morning. You know, I was thinking like one of these comedies. Then you've got him waiting in reception. You then focus on the other guy making his way to the BBC. You could almost have it like a split screen, like sliding door sort of guy and guy getting ready, going to the BBC, <laughs> waiting in their respective waiting rooms. You've got the harassed producer running down, getting the wrong guy. <laughs> guy you know, guy, the, the wrong guy being interviewed. Then you cut to the correct guy in the, in the reception looking up. He, he could be drinking a cup of tea, yes, because they were in Britain. He looks up, sees the other guy being interviewed. He spits his tea out everywhere. <laughs> and, then <there's... laughs> and then it finishes with them meeting up and having a chat. I, I think this, is, this actually is the makings, I think, of a brilliant film even if it was a made for tv film i agree i agree it could be british even if it was you know like a british mini series or something do you know where they do like three yeah. individual like 25 minute episodes it yeah, could yeah. be brilliant it could be like him starting off from the story beforehand like you say it could cut there's so many great takes that you could have on it it would be brilliant i'd love to know what he was doing now though because he is like a proper cult hero in reality yeah, well, in four years, it's going to be 20 years. So hopefully there'll, there'll be something. But no, genuinely, obviously, I hope, you know, if the, the fact there's not much known about him, hopefully it means he's, he's like slunk away and managed to live like a, a normal life, you know, <laughs> outside of this. If, if we can find him or if anyone does know, it, it, it'd be really intriguing to know, actually. <laughs> but yeah, so I present to you my, my first one, Guy Goma. 
I think that's a really good way to start. And in reality, I feel like we're not going to top that this episode because I feel like that's a great one to start with. And when everybody watches the interview afterwards, you'll realise it's absolutely bloody brilliant. Yeah, sorry, just uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I think it's just a fun story. And the guy, when you see him, he just looks so so lovable, doesn't he? He looks so funny, so you know, so <laughs> so just yeah, yeah, look like a really nice person. <laughs> Right, my one on somebody taking a chance. So I've got one that I can run through relatively quickly and I've got one that's a little bit longer and then one that's a bit more immoral, I think. So I'll start with the one that I can run through relatively quickly. And this is the story. It's not a story in reality. It's a number of instances of Carl Power. Ever heard Carl Power, the name? Name doesn't immediately ring a bell. Okay, there's a famous picture which you probably will have seen of him. So he's basically a prankster, but not not in a way that like harms anyone. Basically, he's more so like an an imposter at events. Was he the um, oh Sepp Blatter guy? No, he wasn't. Oh, That's no, Lee no. Nelson. Oh. Although oh, Lee we Nelson, could technically okay. do a whole episode on Lee Nelson. Um, the reason that Cole Power struck me is because he appeared in a Manchester United team photo before an away game in the Champions League knockout stage against <laughs> yes. Bayern Munich in 2001. Do you remember? He was tagged yes. on at the end of the game yes. and then there's that picture of Roy Keane like staring at him like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> And I'd take some balls to do that with Roy Keane in there. Oh, yeah, could you imagine? And they, he just takes up a place next to Ince. He stands there and they take the team photo with him in it. And so he goes in full kit, boots and everything. And he's Brilliant. on the paper. And then basically it started like a tabloid newspaper, like Manhunt. So he was on the front page of like tabloid newspapers in the UK. And they were all like, who's this guy? Who snuck onto the pitch? How did he do it? Um, He then eventually um, was named to BBC Sport. um, And they revealed that he'd entered the stadium, basically pretending to be with the team TV crew to gain access to the pitch. And then he just walked back to the stands to watch the game in his full kit. So he stepped Brilliant. onto the pitch, got in the photograph, and he's now there forever. It's so funny because it was actually an important game as well, like Champions League knockout, yeah, yeah. big games, uh, an away ground, and then he just walked back into the stand. I say it's superb. And then there's been a couple of other instances. So <laughs> at the um, British Grand Prix in 2002, now whether or not he had multiple outfits already prepared, I don't know. <laughs> but Michael Schumacher won the British Grand Prix. So what he did is he put sunglasses on, a red race suit, and he beat Michael Schumacher to the podium and started waving at people <laughs> pretending to be Michael Schumacher. <laughs> And this, there's pictures this, of him this, on the podium, like pointing to people and celebrating. And I was like, oh, it's unbelievable how funny, like the instances of him, like being an imposter and just managing to sneak through what you would have thought would have been really. He's got like, brass ones security. as well, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got brass ones, yeah. <laughs> it's so, so funny. Um, another one of his most famous, like cons, I guess, if you would call them, he managed to get. <laughs> He managed to get onto centre court at Wimbledon and play oh. a short game of tennis before Tim Henman played. I thought you could say whipped Tim, Hen- Tim Henman. Do you know what? Imagine if Tim Henman came out and it was just like uh, a low-ranked tennis player and he had no idea who he was and they just started assuming <laughs> yeah. it was. But yeah, went on relatively unchallenged, just started having a game of tennis with one of his friends and all dressed in white again. And you would imagine that people in the crowd would have been like, oh, maybe they just like doing a bit of warm-up. 
like it's just a couple of players that are taking a bit of warm up. Yeah, it's yeah. just so funny. And again, the confidence that he must have had to do it. There was one as well. Um, there was a reenactment of a Diego Forlan goal. So Power and a few other of his like friends invaded the Old Trafford pitch prior to a Man United game with Liverpool in 2003. They were dressed in full Manchester United kit again. And they reenacted a goal scored by Diego Forlan earlier that season. But he was subsequently banned by Manchester United for life from the stadium. And I imagine that was probably a combination of the, the Champions League um, stunt a couple of years previous. But honestly, it's just absolutely hilarious to see the guy being like, you know what? I could probably get in a photo like that. Yeah. I could probably take a bit of the limelight. I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. My takes on these, right, are one, it's bad, but it's bad in the sense of how he's able to do this. Like you said, all of these games, Champions League, the F1, Wimbledon probably less so because the courts, when you're in there, I guess the courts were open. How the hell did he get through all security? How did he blag that he was part of the TV crew? How did he get onto the podium at the Formula One? But take that aside because that's a negative aspect of it. The guys, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, and like I said, it's relatively harmless. It's not like he's not hurting anyone with the nature of the pranks. Like he's just stealing a bit of limelight in reality for himself. And I just think it's absolutely hilarious. The guy has had a picture taken with the Man United team. The guy has stood on the podium. Very few people are ever going to stand on that, right? (laughs) The guy has played on centre. Did you say it was centre court? Centre court, yeah, centre court at Wimbledon. I mean, he's got experiences of his lifetime there, And, (laughs) and and like you said, they are cheeky. They're fun. Yeah, people will say, "Oh, is that he's, he's not he's not gone out to hurt anyone. He's literally gone to to prove he can do it and have a bit of fun." And he's he's done exactly that. <laughs> is, do we know? Is there anything about him now? No, 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 nothing. Um, as of recent, it was all really like the early two thousands. I imagine that maybe like he ended up turning around and being like, "I don't know if I can do this for a living," <laughs> and then ended up kind of kind of fading into obscurity a little bit. But absolutely brilliant. And that photo, like I said, if you can have a look at the Bayern Munich photo where Roy Keane is giving him evil, it literally looks like Roy Keane wants to murder him. He's literally sitting there like, fuck, is, what the fuck? he's definitely not fitting in with us. Didn't help because half of the Man United team were bald at that point. So he sticks out in the fact that he's got a little bit of hair. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely brilliant. We'll try and link it with the episode, actually, so, so people can see. I just think that's brilliant. I, I guess it's limited what you can do with that because at some point you, you obviously become recognised, right? Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, you mentioned Lee Nelson, wasn't it? And he's obviously done a couple of really, really high profile ones. So he snuck into the FIFA, one of like the FIFA corporate events, didn't he? And threw money all over Set Blatter yeah, um, yeah. was one of them. And then he was also the one that went to Trump's golf course in Scotland, didn't he? Yeah. And he like infiltrated it, even though he had like secret service protection. So uh, do you know what it is? It's a tangent because I didn't have Lee Nelson because I feel like he didn't quite fit the category that we wanted. But we'll talk about it now because it's hilarious. Well, and I think Lee Nelson what... is like a comedian here as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's like so, a British yeah. comedian and prankster, had his own show, had a couple of characters that he played. And he became at one point really notorious for basically getting into events that he just definitely shouldn't be in. Um, so the FIFA one was one, and there's that famous image, isn't it, of Set Platter, Set Blatter with money raining down on yeah. him, <laughs> yeah. and he said that he was part of the North Korean delegation, and that's where they were hosting the next World Cup. But at the Trump, uh, was it Trump Turnbury? Was that the golf course? I think it was Turnbury. Um, he basically booked a room at the hotel, and he made a disguise, and he knew that because the Secret Service were going to be there. They would search bags as you came in, because obviously the President of the United States, which he was at the time, I think, 
um, were staying at the hotel. So what he did is he hired a room from before the Secret Service got there. He snuck into the resort with golf balls with a particular right-wing symbol on them um, and got into the hotel and snuck them in. Then what he did is in the hotel shop at the golf course, they sold ties that made it look like um, the st- what the staff yeah, were wearing. Yeah. So yeah. he basically dressed up as a caddy, walked, he got literally right next to the president and threw all of these golf balls on the floor and then started talking about how like the golf course was going to be sponsored by this or doing this. It was honestly ridiculous. And I think in the end, Donald Trump spoke for like 20 minutes while these golf balls were on the floor and it must have made the Secret Service have a meltdown. I can't imagine how they must have thought, how has he done this? But again, just notorious so I, for it. I just don't know how to, to a different extent and now we are getting off the point but kind of like Ali G as well do you remember the interviews Ali G did right at the start yeah he, yeah he would get proper like proper politicians proper celebrities yeah and just do really stupid interviews with them and I'd be like I just don't know how you have that kind of yeah front to do that do you know what I mean it's it's unreal but that's what it know, is that, it just takes balls doesn't it <laughs> yeah yeah almost a I don't give a shit kind of thing yeah about, yeah if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it if it comes <laughs> off it's it's going to be gold you know you ready for my my next one go for it well I say my next one it's my last one so this is going to be about two chaps in America who took a chance at McDonald's that's what I'm going to say <laughs> posters so sorry this has come from cnn I've, I've taken this but i'd heard it i'd originally heard this three years ago on british radio and i heard these guys interviewed so i've got this from uh cnn but this is guy about a guy called jeff maravilla who went into mcdonald's just wanted to order some food and also wanted to see more representations on the posters at his favorite mcdonald's so you know how you get like the the wallpapering now where it's pictures like it might be a famous people or like in McDonald's, it'd be a pe- people enjoying the food. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he, after placing an order at the fast food chain in Pearland, Texas, Maravilla noticed the store didn't have a single poster that represented him or his friends. Bothered by the lack of Asian representation at a place he goes to often, he took it upon himself to fix it. About $100 later, the local chain now has a poster of two Filipinos enjoying McDonald's. Maravilla said, I noticed there was a blank wall at McDonald's, so I decided to make a fake poster of me and my friend. And he tweeted this. So it's out there. He tweeted along with a photo of the two friends sitting by the poster. So have a look at it. It's brilliant. The fake advertisement was hung up on the 13th of July. And I didn't get the date this was in, but I think it was about 2018, actually, 2018, 2019. So the fake advertisement was hung up on the 13th of July. And after 51 days, so it took them almost two months to notice, Maravilla thought it would be a good idea to share him and his friends' mischief with the world. The world responded. His tweet had more than 900,000 likes and was shared over 237,000 times. We both can't believe how much this attention has been getting. I hope this can open the eyes to not just McDonald's, but other major companies who, that can embrace different ethnicities, Maravilla told CNN. <laughs> Maravilla was born, he, he was 21 at the time, was born and raised in Texas, but his parents are immigrants from the Philippines. His friend Christian Toledo, 25, moved to the US a couple of years ago from the Philippines. The two friends spent about a month making the poster. The most, pa- the most challenging part was sneaking it inside the restaurant. Maravilla found a McDonald's uniform shirt at a thrift store. So I think that's kind of probably like our charity shops, I'm guessing. Yeah. Or like Bobby. So he yeah. found he found an old McDonald's uniform at 
at the store for $7, drove to the restaurant with the help of two friends who managed to put it up. McDonald's is a worldwide corporation, so we wanted to make the biggest impact if possible, he said. And as if efforts didn't go unnoticed, the local restaurant has actually kept the poster up for a while. <laughs> McDonald's rep said, we take pride in highlighting diversity in every aspect of our restaurants. We applaud these students' creativity and hope to see them in our restaurants again. Amazing. Um, yeah. That's actually quite a wholesome one, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. McDonald's corporate communications office told CNN it supports the franchise's response. Uh, when asked if he had any other requests for the company, Maravilla said, yes, please hire me to be a poster model, we joke, but really representation matters. Now, yeah, it was, sorry, this was 2018. In September of that year, I've got an article here that they appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show. So again, he was still 21. He added, the past few weeks have felt like a dream. While they were on the Ellen DeGeneres show, they were each presented with a check of $25,000 each from McDonald's and told they would be starring in a marketing campaign. Oh, amazing. But the question remained over how McDonald's would respond to the poster. And on the 4th of September, Jeff discovered its fate while eating at the same restaurant. I got a call from Chris Stanley at McDonald's corporate while I was eating eating with my friends, he told the BBC. My first thought was I was in trouble. But far from being in trouble, Mr. Stanley told Jeff that they loved it. He invited Jeff and Christian to an event at the restaurant where they signed their poster before it was removed to be auctioned for charity. Uh, they had to take it down because they were renovating the restaurant, he said. Um, and now, after the renovation, they only had pictures of food, no people. <laughs> I've then tried to find where they are now. Again, I couldn't find much because they are only young. But I actually looked on um, LinkedIn and they are one of them. I think Christian is still a bit said to be a public figure for McDonald's. But the main guy they talk about, Jeff, is actually um, he's at Newsweek as a lifestyle and entertainment video producer. Oh, wow. That's cool. So, yeah. So just imagine it. Two friends at McDonald's look at the wall, say there's no one that looks like us on there. So they spend $100. They find the best bit is finding an old McDonald's uniform in a thrift store. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) Make a poster, sneak it in, put it up without anyone noticing. It's there for two months without anyone noticing. (laughs) They then reveal it. They get 25 grand each. They then go on, um, they then do become like, PR figures for McDonald's and then you know they've each gone off and he's now lifestyle entertainment video I think again it's another really good feel good thing they took a chance again it wasn't anything out of order they they did something creative while also trying to make a point and that point was made and they got rewarded for it I think it's brilliant yeah I think that's quite a wholesome one as well because again it's like one of those things where people are taking a chance it's not actually doing any harm to anyone and there's a really cool outcome at the end as well and I think in reality it's a fucking genius idea to be fair. Yeah yeah have you I don't know if you've had a look while talking have you seen the picture because that... I have seen and I've seen the pictures of the posters and that's because the thing is it looks like a proper McDonald's ad. It does it does and like I said they spent a hundred dollars on it so the fact is you know if Worst case scenario, they didn't get anything. They were $100 down, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally something that started off as like a joke between two friends, which has then got like super serious because it's well funny as well. There's pictures of like them stood in front of the ad as well, isn't there? Which is like Inception, isn't it? Yeah, it is. (laughs) You know, and they were 21 at the time. So again, it takes a bit of courage to to do that. Uh, and, And they had the idea now. The best thing about it is, again, that they've had that fame, that brief bit of fame, because as I said to you, I was listening to it on a UK radio station here at the time. 
and they actually got them on the radio. They got they they spoke to him. I actually it reminded this reminded me because I heard it a few weeks ago. I was re- replaying it, and th- yeah, they interviewed him, and it was great. Could you imagine that? That one day, the day before this, he's sitting at home just watching TV. The next day, he's he said to his mate, "It's like, like I say to you, Lou, should we go to McDonald's today? We go there, you look around, <laughs> and we say there's no one. It looks like us, you and me. We put a picture up on the wall of us, and then." We're being interviewed by international media. You know, they, they're getting $25,000 <laughs> each. They're then being invited to be PR for the company. One of them is now a lifestyle and entertainment video producer for, you know, Newsweek. That's brilliant. Brilliant. I agree. I think it's a brilliant one. And I, I heard about it when it initially happened as well. And I just thought to myself, it's just a brilliant idea. It's just genius. And the thing is, as well, these things, like people taking a chance leads to not only just having a laugh with your mates, but then to like fully fledged careers yeah. that span yeah. out of these things through the fame that you might have generated. It's absolutely hilarious. And I also like the fact that McDonald's kind of just got on board with it. Yeah. And yeah. allowed them to run with it as well. I think that's really, really cool. So um, should, we, should we try to do a, a Casting Views one up in our local one? Yeah, you know what? Oh, my God. Could you imagine if there's literally just like pictures of me? Maybe it could be me and you posted up with a microphone, but then just styled like whatever business it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's what you've done. Yeah. Like, like, again, like I said, fair play to them. And yeah, they, they got rewarded. Nothing. It, it's, it's, yeah, inspirational. Go, go take that chance if you can. <laughs> Amazing. Although, I've got I'm one. Not, sorry, I was going to say, I'm not saying to go plaster posters up in McDonald's. I'm not necessarily condoning that <laughs> if, if Mr. McDonald's is listening. <laughs> yeah, don't do not do anything that's, that's going to get you like criminal punishment. We won't endorse anything like that. Okay. Um, my next one, I think you might have heard of him through what he did afterwards, is about Adam Pacitti. Oh, yes, the name. Name rings a bell. He, yeah. from... The way that I had ended up following him like long term was through um I think What Culture WWE and just What Culture it, yep. in general. Do you remember yep. him? Guy yeah. with glasses. Um there's a couple of things that I want to talk about, but I'm gonna talk about his initial kind of come up. So this was in 2013. Adam Pacitti is um or was in 2013 an unemployed graduate out of university, um, had no job, had no idea what he wanted to do. So what he did is he hired a billboard for £500 in Shoreditch and he posted a picture of himself and the text, I spent my first, sorry, I, I spent my last £500 on this billboard. Please give me a job. And then he linked employadam.com oh, yes. and he created a tailor-made website where people could watch like a video run-through of his CV um, and learn a little bit about him. The website ended up getting more than one and a half million hits from around the world. And he had he ended up getting thousands of emails. And I think in the end, he had over 100 job offers. Um, oh, right. All because of this billboard that went up. And he turned around and said, he was like, I was hoping it would go viral, but ended receiving coverage from newspapers across the countries and websites around the world. He basically just had... Um, job interviews from like marketing agencies everyone was basically flooding him (laughs) with job offers and he said employers ended up emailing me contracts before we'd even spoken wow wow um he ended up landing a job with a production company called keo or keo and it's basically behind of loads of like huge film projects that sort of thing and this was back in 2013 because then obviously he went on to do stuff with what culture and they basically gave him a job green lighting um, him to pitch his own ideas and one of them's to get people basically 
the opportunity to help other people in this position. So he was basically working with job seekers to find innovative ways to help them find work. And that's what he did immediately after this billboard went up. And it's really funny as well, because after he got a job, it turned around and he bought another billboard and it said, I spent my first wage packet on this billboard. Thanks for helping me. <laughs> and I just it's just utterly class and he was the first because since then we've seen people that have stood outside train stations yeah. with cvs yeah. and that sort of thing but i feel like he was the first one that i remember that went above and beyond and just like destroyed the game with like self-promotion it was absolutely genius marketing it it really is about like you said people have done it since whether it's like that or they've done a funny like cv or they they put it on the internet now but it's about being that first person isn't it being that originator and and people who come up with these ideas at that time well fair play to them yeah honestly absolutely brilliant and then he went on to work at what culture got a little bit of a media following ended up doing something that he really enjoyed anyway like honestly just just bloody brilliant a really cool story and it just makes you think sometimes thinking outside the box is the way that you need to go because it's just genius because the thing is as well if anything it would make you laugh and you'd probably take a picture of it so even in and of itself it was a genius idea with him knowing that there might not even be anybody that looked at it seriously it was a case of this is just something i'm gonna do for a bit of fun and i think that that's what the consistent thing is with all of these like people they're doing it for their own reasons but the side effect and consequence of it is a much wider benefit, basically. Like even when you look at like the prankster, he's immortalized by having a photo with United. The two guys with McDonald's are now working on McDonald's campaigns and have led them into other jobs. Like it's genuinely brilliant. I feel like now we need to get Guy Goma back into the public eye because I feel like he's the only one that's not benefited in the long run. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, yeah. I was literally thinking about that when you were saying this. Now, did you say he did this so out of desperation or? He just thought this might be a, a clever idea to do it. Yeah, he genuinely did it out of desperation. It was desperation. his last five hundred quid. <laughs> you see, and that, and and that's the thing, right? It's like you kind of, there's no bad point in this story. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like you can't say you shouldn't have done that. Oh, it's yeah, no, that's a good one, and I do remember that now. I, I do remember that one. Honestly, absolutely brilliant. And I can't imagine how many people after that probably bought billboards thinking that they were going to get somewhere with it. And then people were like, no, seen that, been done, don't like it. And now it's like somebody's cottoning on to try and get the next good idea out there. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. I do um, have one more. Sorry, sorry, sorry I was going to say, if anybody, if anybody wants to pay us £500 and we'll, if you give us your audio CV and, and plead for a job, we'll put it on a, we'll put it in one of our episodes. <laughs> Do you reckon they're going to get a million and a half clicks, though? We might get somewhere towards that. <laughs> we could I'm contribute saying. towards a million and a half clicks. Absolutely. If that, if that's what yeah. we're looking yeah. at. <laughs> well, actually, they go take chance. Why wouldn't we? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully this episode goes viral in the way that we've been talking about these people. Um, yeah. The last one that I've got is... is uh, it's difficult to know whether it's someone's taking a chance. It's somebody that's taken a chance and fucked it up, basically. Okay. So this is the Boston Marathon, April 21st in 1980. No? No ringing? No, no. bells ringing? No. no. Okay. So this is a story about Rosie Oh, Ruiz. hold on. Is this someone who cheated? <laughs> it is somebody who yeah, cheated. Okay. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. go on. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So the, the, this is an article from Time. It's absolutely brilliant. Rosie Rees must have seemed like the fittest athlete ever to run a Boston Marathon. She finished the, ma- the first among the marathon's win- win- women's runners in near record time, just over two and a half hours. Now, 
when she turned up at the end of the race, um, she wasn't sweating. Uh, she <laughs> looked perfect. Her hair was still done. Um, there was nothing that really indicated that she'd run 26 and a half miles. And that's because her strategy was, why run? Why run? Why run the marathon? I don't need to. So what she done is she basically taken the subway from the start of the start of the marathon to the end, basically just paused and waited, and then rejoined the course, Hero. um, like at Hero. the end of the la- at the last mile and crossed the finish line. And everyone's like, "Oh my, oh fucking hell, oh my god, this is amazing! She's finished the race. This, this, this." Now the reason that problems cropped up is because no competitors nor any spectators ever remembered seeing her during the first twenty-five miles. Um, witnesses came forward later on to say that they'd seen her run onto the course from the sidelines just a mile from the finish and her medal was revoked. revoked. Um, The thing is as well, it's strange because uh, she could have blagged it. She could have had a better story when she was blagging it because she said that she'd only started training 18 months earlier by running around Central Park and she'd only ever competed in one other marathon where she'd had a notably slower time. So then to go from 18 months worth of training to posting nearly one of the fastest times ever by a woman to run the Boston Marathon is a pretty big jump. So you think she could have been more convincing. And do you know what the funniest thing is about how shit the blagging was? She just got on the subway with her marathon number in her (laughs) gym gear. And then, and then she said, she, people questioned her. Why are you on the, isn't the marathon not happening at the minute? Have you missed it? And she went, oh no, I sprained my ankle. I just want to see the finish. And then she just fucking got on the track a mile from the end and ran to the end. Absolutely hilarious. It's an instance more so of where somebody's taken a chance and just fucked you up. (laughs) Well, you've got to show, you've got to show the good and bad. Although she's she's my hero, but she should have done this better, right? So a few things I can pick up there. One, although the other competitors, I mean, believe it or not, it might or it might be hard to believe, but I've never run a marathon before. <laughs> the fact that other competitors don't remember her, would you? I mean, if I was do if 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 I were to run a marathon, I'd like be head down, earplugs in, you know, earbuds in. And just be running. I wouldn't be like looking around, taking all the other. However, in. the only thing I would say is, if you were a a, a spectator and or another competitor, you would recognise the people that were quick and the people that were out ahead of you. So let's say the serious Maybe. runners Maybe. that are doing it, they're going to know who's in and around them because they inevitably yeah. will all run the same circuits anyway. So this, I think from that perspective, you would. Yeah. But this is my next two things, right? The the, the next one is, why didn't she like? disguise herself on this on the tube and i'm not saying like funny glasses and a, and a fake nose but <laughs> put a coat on don't you know somebody getting on with a marathon number on their chest you know is is gonna it's gonna be obvious and then she talked to them you know yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. they talk to people and thirdly why not just wait an hour after the time why why did you have to do it like uh, if, if the time was two and a half hours i'd be happy doing it at like four hours but, but do you know what it is? I think she just wanted to win. I actually think she wanted to yeah, win. Yeah, but that's you were never you're never gonna get away with that, are you? That's the thing. You're never because because surely, budget. This you said what 1980? Yeah, 1980. I'm guessing this would still have been potentially televised or photographed. There'd be no photos of her at the front. <laughs> that's what yeah. This is the thing. So there was CCTV. So then the officials <laughs> went back and looked at CCTV, and she just wasn't seen crossing any other fucking cameras on the course. <laughs> So if she wanted to do it for a bit of fame to say she done it and go back home, or wherever she you know she's from and say oh, I've I've completed the marathon and use it as bragging rights, you could have done that. But to to say you won it, it's never going to happen. 
It is so so funny, honestly. It's just it's just a really poor attempt. All the planning, the planning wasn't there, but just utterly hilarious, utterly hilarious. And look at us telling her how she should have cheated at American. <laughs> well, funnily enough, the article actually goes on to say that she wasn't very good at cheating in other aspects as well, because in 1982, she was charged with stealing $60,000 from the realty company she worked for. And in 83, <laughs> it gets even worse. In 83, she was, <laughs> she was arrested for selling two kilos of cocaine to an undercover police detective. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so funny. Like, so, like honestly, you would think at you know, at the point of not getting away with stealing sixty thousand dollars, you think, right? What can I get? I'm 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 really bad at getting away with really serious things. I'm getting progressively more serious. What should I do? sell? Coke? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing that I'm going to try next. But yeah, honestly, absolutely hilarious. Do you think though that if she did this now, that she'd be more? I think she'd be more of a celebrity, right? Do you think it's just she did it at the wrong time? Yeah, I think if you did it now, you could pass it off as more of like a prank thing. But I think the issue with her is that she was disingenuous from the perspective of she actually wanted to win and be genuine. So I think oh, yeah, if it was yeah. a prank where she turns around and she's like, oh, yeah, haha, I just wanted to pretend like I'd won the marathon. Some like person that's never trained before, that sort of thing. I think you could have got away with it. But the fact that she's turned around and tried to actually play it off as a victory is the bit. She didn't even. Yeah, off. she she could have she could have spun it at the end. Yeah. She could have spun it. Because, 100%. yeah, now, if you think about it, she'd be all over the internet. She'd be on TikTok, on Twitter. She Newspapers, tabloids would be after her for an interview. <laughs> she'd probably appear on daytime TV. It's probably she just did it at the wrong time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You always see these programs like um, I was watching The Office recently, the American version, where they're doing like a, I don't know if it's a marathon or a tank. I think it was a marathon. And a few of them get in a taxi, go to a, a bar, have some drinks and some food getting a taxi back and then just finish it you know at the end and it's like you that you always see things like that but to know someone's done it at those places have you seen did you mention if anyone else has done something similar um yeah there was one that was similar so basically boston marathon organizers basically decided that they needed to make it more difficult following her um ruiz's attempts so there was they've they've got different categories for the boston marathon so in the 1997 marathon a senior couple who finished a, a couple who finished first in the senior category were found out because they decided to uh, they registered at computer checkpoints so what they did is they implemented computer checkpoints that you needed to run past and basically like scan into um with like your number oh, or, okay like, uh, yeah, yeah. Or whatever they did that though but what they didn't do is appear on video at locations where the organisers has then set up cameras as a result of the initial attempt at cheating. Um, and they just showed up on no cameras. And so they were found out basically instantly when they finished first and had won the senior category. They were like, so what were they doing? They were literally like just this. going to those sensors, scanning Checkpoints, it. scanning them, and then like subwaying or like taxiing to the next one. <laughs> but again, like unless it's like genuinely you're doing it for a crack and it's a laugh, like you can't be doing that because you genuinely just want to pass it off as winning. Yeah. It, it, that that one makes because no sense all of a me. sudden, you know, like Joe Bloggs from nowhere is like the best runner in the world. Yeah, it's yeah, not, it's yeah. It's never exactly. going to fly, is it? It's never going to fly. <laughs> know your limits, I guess. I mean, yeah. we say take chance, but also know your limits. Yeah, if you're going to bullshit, at least bullshit something that's realistic. Like you know, be 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 real with it. Be real with it. That's my last one. That's a good one. Okay, well, I thought that's quite a fun one. It was a, quite a fun one. And like I said, in reality, we could do a whole episode on Lee Nelson because um, there's so many things that he's done. We might come back to that. Maybe we could do like British British 
like cultural icons. Yeah, I've got a couple of subjects we we could do. But yeah, cool. Is there anything you want to say before we go? No, nothing to finish on, I don't think. Um, apart from, like I said, if you're going to bullshit something, make sure that you're good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our podcast reaches 500,000 people. So if you want to book, book some advertising, real, real, real estate <laughs> on our show, let, let me know. <laughs> oh, I just, uh, yeah, I just want to say again, uh, we'll play out with the music from Josh Wilson. So again, thank you. And also kind of thank you to a lot of the people supporting us. I know who they are, but also to Kay from the Fuck My Work Life podcast. I just want to say thank you to her again for doing some artwork for us for the shop, which brings me on nicely to the fact we've got a shop. So I'll, I'll put the link in our episode. Do you, you like that? That was smooth, wasn't it? That, link? Yeah, it was, that was um, a really smooth transition. I've ruined it by, by pointing it out, though. We've got a merch shop if you fancy supporting us. If you do want to support us in other ways, make sure you like and subscribe on the platform of your choice. That does help. Give us a rating where you can, uh, like Spotify, Good Pods, and Apple can leave ratings. If you do want to get in touch with us, you can get us on castingviewspod at gmail.com or at Twitter. No, not at Twitter. We're at castingviews on Twitter. And we'll see you next week. And we know there's a lot of podcasts from which you can choose. So we thank you for listening to Casting Views. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, because you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force feed it. Come on, we